Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Corain. I'm joined by Kyle Dvorak and Pat Darty. Guys, how's it going? Very good. Uh, we have we have our lives back. Um, and nothing big on the NFL. Yeah, congrats. No, some of us yeah. have. <laughs> some of us got more work now than we had for like the entire playoffs. I was like, uh, you know, I was not quite vacationing in the playoffs, but I was certainly taking, taking a breather. And all of a sudden, like, hey, now do you want to work more? A lot more. I'm like, yeah, that sounds I believe awesome. Kyle's referring to his 32 team offseason preview piece, um, which has been amazing so far. So we're enjoying it. I'm just waiting to get to team 26. And Pat's like, hey, did you write up like the the Honolulu Warriors and two of those other like teams they added to the league? The, you know, when you tell me the commanders, the Honolulu Blue Palms, they're the Blue Palms. When you tell me the commanders, be like, did I forget about a whole team? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, that's uh, very topical that you bring up the off-season preview series because that is the topic of today's pod we want to dive into that i should note it is 4 p.m on a thursday this is going to be the new time slot in the off-season we're going to be having guests on this pod throughout the off-season talking a lot about the rookie class we're not going to get into the rookie class so much today we'll kind of talk about like some overarching themes but primarily wanted to get into the series that kyle has been doing for the site bunch of the previews are out already. I highly recommend checking them out. They've got really great nuggets like cut candidates, overall value of the team's draft picks, coaching changes, some really good stuff in there. Uh, Kyle, anything that's jumped out to you and tell us about the series? No, I think there's a lot of teams at the top that have like interesting paths forward, right? Like you have uh, like the Jags are sort of going to get an extra first round pick essentially by getting ETN back when they didn't play a snap last year, have the 101 and don't have to spend it on a quarterback because they already have their quarterback. Jets have multiple top 10 picks. Giants have multiple top 10 picks. The Deshaun Watson situation could, I mean, it should obviously if it pans out in favor of the Texans, if he ends up being able to be traded, we'll give them, I assume, multiple first round picks. Uh, and a lot seems that they have good cap space too. So I think Although there are some really bad teams. Like I am looking at some of these rosters and I'm like, I, you know, I try to limit myself to positions of need, like three, just so I'm not saying listing every single possible option the team has. Like, I don't know, man, three does not quite seem like the right number, but these teams for the most part have done a good job giving themselves a lot of outs to building good rosters. Yeah. When you stopped at three on the Texans, I was like, uh, seems early. Should have added, should have added GM and head coach. No, yes. One of the things that's jumped out, because Kyle, you're, you're starting, you've been posting them with kind of the, the bad teams first, the teams that finished at the bottom. Yeah, it's order yeah. of draft, uh, order of what should be draft picks, although you get to the, the Bears and you're like, eh, well, you know, not so much draft capital for this Right. Earned, earned draft picks is the order that we're going to. <laughs> earned draft pick, not actually. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're starting with really bad teams. But Pat, I, I honestly can't remember a year where you have a bunch of teams drafting like early on and they either all have rookie quarterbacks from 2021, who, by the way, didn't play well, or just bad veteran quarterbacks, but in a situation where maybe they're not going to be moving on from them to draft these guys. So 
like what are your thoughts on kind of the cluster of teams up top? We have the the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, the Jets, the Giants, who probably I would imagine are not selecting a quarterback. So what are your what are your thoughts on these early teams in, in, in the quarterback position? Well, yeah, it's really going to test the theory that it's not a good quarterback class because, like you said, it's pretty rare for this entire like top end group of the draft to have quarterback settled. So, I mean, like, it's like the perfect year for teams to try to trade up for a quarterback. I mean, there's always teams in the top five that can usually play a ball, but like you, the Jaguars will categorically not be drafting a quarterback. The Texans, you know, maybe they seem like they like Davis Mills and. I mean, he shouldn't prevent you if you had, there was like a franchise type player you were in love with at number three overall, but everything we're told, it's not that kind of year. The Jets categorically at four will not be drafting a quarterback. The Giants are kind of like the real like hinge point, like the mystery team at five, but it's the new GM. It's the new everything. It's uh, probably not the new Daniel Jones, even though that is Brian Dable's directive. And so it's like a really... This is going to be put to the test how good this quarterback class actually is because, I mean, this is just like sitting there on a tee for teams to trade up. And it's so weird, too, because, like, the Giants, you know, have the fifth and seventh picks. The team, they're doing an entire organizational reboot, I mean, from top to bottom, except for the owner. Like, they're trying to, like, re-professionalize the front office, basically, which has just been in, in shambles ever since they forced out Tom Coughlin, who needed to be forced out, but... Like it's, they're like this weird, cause it's like such a fateful decision. You have two picks in the top eight. I mean, that basically sets, that's going to decide the fate of your franchise for basically like the next half decade, at least. It's so like, they have to be absolutely certain. Like there's going to be no towing the line with Daniel Jones. Basically they, they have to be like absolutely certain by, by draft time. If they, if they're in it with Daniel Jones, then for the next year or two. And if not, like, how can you pass up having the fifth and seventh picks and like not taking a quarterback if you don't, you know, like your quarterback situation? So it's just a really weird. It's, it's I just feel like lots of theories are going to be put to the test with kind of like the weird disconnect uh, between needs and the teams that actually have the picks. We're still pretty early on in you know all of our kind of evaluation of of the quarterback class here, but Malik Willis going to a Brian Dayball team sounds pretty fun. <laughs> I don't think they'll do it. I, I think we're still a year away. Even like John Mara talked about the like the first thing in his pref, press conference. I think it was the one where he introduced Dave. I don't remember which one was. He said like uh, like we screwed up Daniel Jones so bad. He was very self critical in a way that we don't really hear from the Giants uh, staffers that much about how much they had screwed over Daniel Jones. So that's probably true. Like he had terrible receivers for his first two years. Last year they tried to get him good receivers. It just didn't work out that well. And we know how bad that coaching staff was. So and I, I don't think they said anything about the coaching staff necessarily. But that feels like part of the implications. Like maybe we could have hired better people, more forward thinking people to help out Daniel Jones. So I think at least, you know, I think coaches and, uh, you know, general managers are more honest than we'd be, uh, you know, led to believe in these interviews or, you know, these uh, these conferences, because like they, they're sort of egotistical football guys. They want to talk about the things they want to talk about. They're still cagey, but I don't think he's outright lying to throw out a smoke screen that they're going to take a quarterback. I do think he, he thinks that they screwed over Daniel Jones. That's I think that's honest. And I think they'll probably try and you know give him weapons give him a better offensive line and give him one more year is that the answer i I don't know if it's the answer but i think we're at that that crossroads that you said next year pack i don't think daniel jones is the answer maybe is but if he's not i think we reach that you know five to ten year defining decision next year probably i think shane's drafting a quarterback within the next two years so i think it may just come down to how they view this class and how they view is that how you say his last name yeah 
Oh Just man, I'm glad you said it first. I would have said it wrong. Yeah, that's not what I've been saying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Shane. <laughs> it's not what I said when I talked to him in LA last week. No, I didn't. I didn't talk to him. I haven't interacted with another human in like six months. I don't know how to say people's names. They're they're letters on the internet. They're on Twitter. Yeah, I, by the way, I agree with Kyle. I don't think John Mara is like even sophisticated enough to do that kind of. That's another screen. thing. Is like that's a level of strategy that just doesn't really like you know they they're football savvy. Some of them, some of them maybe not so much, but uh, they're they're football intelligent. They're not gamesmanship forward thinking at, at the best. And yeah, Kyle, that was also a quote I had forgotten about till reading your article. Like that probably should have been a bigger deal because that was I thought very telling. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, not a smokescreen type comment. Like they actually seem fairly committed. But like as Crane says. Like you can't pass up this opportunity. So between now and April, they zero in at someone that they think is going to be there at yeah. five or seven. It's hard to believe they're going to pass that up. And Mara's the owner. He, you know, he's the guy who let this whole franchise fall to shambles. Like, I'm sure he does think that. But like, does that ultimately weigh into the decision making if they, you know, if the new front office basically decides on a quarterback? So I, I think that's pretty interesting. Any, what do you think about the Lions? Do you think the Lions have a chance of drafting a quarterback? I feel like this has to be the spot where it's going to happen, right? I mean, they people, it was kind of like a forgotten comment, especially because they didn't bench him. Like at a certain point last season, Dan Campbell, you know, was like Mr. Ra Ra players coach. He basically, I can't remember the exact quote, but he like straightforward said, like, it wasn't like couched in any like evasive language. And he said, like, Jared Goff needs to be better. I remember he needs this, to play yeah. better. And he actually did play better down the stretch, but. I mean, it is the, the Lions, though, too. Like, they, they took the best player available last year in Penny Sewell. I mean, they know they're not one player away, as we saw from what was maybe the worst uh, receiver core in NFL history until Amon Ross St. Brown went nuts down the stretch. Like, the Lions aren't even close to one player away. So I don't think they'll force it. But I think the Lions will definitely be very open-minded about being like, I don't know, these people are kind of wrong about this being a bad quarterback draft class, folks. We really like so-and-so, and I, I think the Lions will be open-minded about talking themselves into a quarterback. Yeah, I don't think they do it, but it just takes one like one franchise. We're looking at, you know, like mock drafts. We're looking at Twitter, and we all don't see, uh, you know, any quarterback worth the the 103, 102, right? 102. I only wrote up the, the Lions, like thousands of words. I, I'm no reason I should know this. There's like, there's no real like scouting evaluation, no mock drafts that would lead you to believe that quarterback is a strong pick really anywhere inside the top five, but all it takes is one organization to buck that trend that we have really no insight to barring a, you know, a good Schefter tweet or something. So even though from the outside, it doesn't look really like it would be a realistic spot for them. Uh, like that's, it's easy to say that without knowing any insight into the team and it is an obvious need jared goff just straight up isn't the answer and he'll never be that i don't know if we have he's been to a super bowl oh, sorry yeah well that's true he didn't win the super bowl though that's uh that's matthew stafford yeah, he's not a winner yeah. the situation with detroit i don't know if we have like the futures odds for next year yet the team futures odds but you'd have to imagine that detroit would be one of the favorites to have the worst record in the league so in a sense you kind of i mean it's kind of like the browns did where they could like set up the roster a little bit more and if you do they, that are you they got they got miles garrett before they got baker correct they had yeah. I mean, a lot of first round picks before they got baker and the idea is that you can plug and play the rookie even if they're not that good indeed right? indeed you know they just need to be okay right the one-on-one should at least be okay whenever you plug them in that's what i honestly that's what i think the lions should do next year's class is gonna be much better and especially they are definitely one of the teams projected to be lower than if they could have picked better or i guess worse for the franchise but better for the record than like Five, that'd be a bit surprising. Agreed. You you mentioned, Kyle, that, you know, when you draft a quarterback one-on-one, they're supposed to be good. 
the Jaguars have <laughs> the first overall pick. When you draft a quarterback number two, they're supposed to be good. The Jets have the fourth overall pick. These teams are not going back to the well at quarterback. Even if this was a great quarterback class, they'd, they'd stick it out. But what are your thoughts on like how far away these teams are from actually doing anything? Because they both seemed so <laughs> far away in 2021. Yeah, it's really difficult to say because I, I actually think the Jets have a decent amount of potential, specifically because they have two top 10 picks. And it's much easier uh, in this draft class. Like the the when you think about the 101, it has franchise-changing potential. But that's often because you're taking quarterback at 101. So the Jags taking the first overall pick isn't the same sort of franchise-defining move that other teams taking the first overall pick is. So I value the, the two picks of the Jets, I, I think, considerably more than that top pick of the Jaguars. I think the Jets probably have a better roster as well. I think they have better skill position players. Like you got Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Court. Corey Davis, and they have a really good cap situation as well. So they have tons of draft capital, good cap situation. I think, and I, I trust their, you know, their GM, their coaching staff specifically a good bit more than I trust the, the brain trust of Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson. I thought it was really interesting that we got the Byron Leftwich doesn't want to work with Trent Baalke uh, reports. Mm -hmm. That's maybe why he Same. didn't take the job. Maybe not though. But then we, <laughs> then we got a, a few it has rumors. Has to be why, right? I would think so. And then we got a few rumors that Doug Peterson may not take the job for that same reason. Like these guys are, are getting into a fist fight <laughs> at some point, right? Like this is this has disaster written all over it. And the thing is, both of these teams, the you know, we go back to why we think they have any chance of turning it around. They both got elite quarterback prospects, and if those players pan out the way that we thought they would, not the way they did in their first year. We saw Deshaun Watson drag terrible teams to the playoffs. So if they really turn things around, anything is possible. That's why I think they have a ton of upside. Whereas, like, I just I can't see the Lions really finding any upside next year. I can't see, assuming Watson is not on the team, I can't see Houston finding any upside. I actually see it, especially with the Jets, but I also think you could argue Jaguars almost. Yeah, the Jets are set up really well because, like, they hit on some of their skill flyers last year. Uh, you know, they have the defensive-minded head coach. They still, in theory – the building block left tackle and Mekai Becton, although the rumors uh, coming out of his uh, were not good <laughs> not great at all. I mean, Salah even said that he thought Fant had earned, George Fant had earned the the right to start a tackle, not start a left tackle, not that Becton couldn't earn it back. But then there were reports in the late in the season they weren't really pleased with Becton. So it seems like at best they kick him to the right side. It, they might just end up. Yeah, the Jets, out. they are really well positioned to make a huge splash. And like, you know, Zach Wilson, I got in some hot water with Jets fans this week. We're having like a hugely negative write-up of their entire season and my seasons in review, which we – No, I mean, it was not a good season. And they were like, well, you ignored how he played better after his injury when he still had like four touchdowns in like eight games. But he did like stop throwing interceptions at least, which is – that's exactly what I was. I wrote about too. I was like, he got he threw three yeah, touchdowns God. across the three final games of the year. That's just not doing bad things. Not doing bad. He things did. It is an important suspended. first step is to just stop doing the bad things. Sure, yeah, and he yeah. did stop doing so many bad things after his injury. When like Mike White and Josh Johnson and Joe Flacco all look better than you, though. That's a big, that's a big that problem. is a Bad it's time. a problem and it's also not just looked better but like mike white like inspired zach wilson to like adjust his play and the locker room supposed <laughs> to love like mike white the down. mike white chants are ringing through the locker room and zach wilson just out here uh well do you guys you guys remember you want to talk about like how long a football season gets i mean there was a point in the season where people were genuinely you know thursday night football I don't know if you've heard, it's not always the best games. And so sometimes you kind of got to generate excitement for, you know, some players like generate slights for motivation. You have to generate reasons yeah, sure, for sure. excitement for Thursday night football sometimes. And 
there people will forget future generations will forget that there was a week where people were including myself were excited to see mike white on thursday night football and he got hurt was it like his yeah and he got start? hurt one drive into the game and it just like totally and then we got josh johnson josh and we were like that's true we got he was uh, slinging this dimes. also works <laughs> yeah he was slinging dimes they were don't get me wrong they were both easily better than zach wilson uh to that point they so were. yeah interesting moment in time for the jets so but do you i mean i guess i i have a trouble seeing either of these teams doing anything but i i do agree with kyle's point that the skill position players are better uh, with the Jets. I mean, the, the bar is is pretty low. You pointed out in your piece, Kyle, that we had uh, Tavon Austin and Laquan Treadwell starting for the Jaguars by the end of the year. So, not exactly the highest bar. Yeah. And it's it's not like the Jets have skill positions solved, but they at least do have, like, projectable talent. Like, people who have flashed at the NFL levels, so they can do, like, the classic rebuild of just kind of, like, focusing on the trenches or focusing on a corner. Right. Like, impact positions other than skill players. So, they're in a they, good spot. They are in bad need of secondary. Their, their front seven, though, isn't that bad, and they didn't have Carl Lawson all of last year, and it's not the same. Although, running back's not that important. I said, you know, they're getting first-round pick ETN back. The, the Jags are. It's not like that's the most important thing. It's helpful, but it's not this incredible turnaround. Getting Carl Lawson back after not, you know, they signed him to a big deal and didn't get to see him at all, unfortunately. That's a a pretty uh a pretty good thing just to get kind of for free at least it's already on the books right so if they just spend a lot of their picks which they have on corner plus robert slaw obviously comes from the san francisco defense background where their defense got them to a super bowl like give him a baseline level of talent and he should be able to evaluate like to elevate it to at least an above average level of talent i don't think the defense turns around in one off season with how terrible it was last year but really there's like two dominoes that need to fall zach wilson becomes the player we thought he was not not great is not to turn around overnight but just cut back on the stakes make a few more big plays because he had one of the lowest touchdown rates among first round rookies in the past like 20 years but become normal progression from a, a young quarterback who had a lot of potential and some flaws coming out of college and then just add talent to a talented coaching staff so i, I think they have a real path i also like we talked about daniel jones before that roster is another roster where they have a lot of things like Kenny Galladay, Darius Slate, and Sterling Shepard all on the books right now, as well as Kadarius Tony. That is an incredible, uh, you know, incredible skill position core. Saquon Barkley was probably at his peak the best pass catching running back in the league. Is he that way anymore? I don't know. I, I'd hope so, though. Daniel Jones, as we talked about, was put in an awful situation for the entirety of his career. Now he gets what I think was the best head coaching hire and a really good offensive coordinator and uh, quarterbacks coach from the Chiefs, Mike Kopka. So everything about that roster screams like really high upside, except Daniel Jones. And I don't have a ton of faith in him, but if there was a team that could turn him around, it would be, you know, the the brain trust of Dable plus Kafka and uh, Shane as well. If they're really a brain trust, then they'll try it out with Daniel Jones and go, oh, I don't know. It just isn't working. And then give it a try, folks. And then grab their I, I think, yeah, I think that's what ultimately yeah. happens. I think that's what ultimately happens. But like, would it shock? Like, we saw the exact same turnaround from a sort of similar physical style of player from Josh Allen. It just happened yeah, quicker nah. with him because he's good. I mean, the, the ability to throw on, deep is, is pretty important if we're making Josh Allen. I didn't, I didn't know Denny was on the show. <laughs> Daniel Jones can throw it deep. They just don't let him. Uh, well, that's the thing. I think he doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe that is possible. But I think these are things you can at least tease out from scheming better like no one's going to say that he was put in a position to make lots of like flashy plays when when you look how awful his coaching staff was i'm not saying like what do you think the odds are that he turns into not not josh allen i don't think that's ever going to happen but that it's like un, unheard of essentially what do you think he turns the odds he turns into like a top 14 quarterback top 12 ish quarterback? very low i mean 
I think you get that. I'd, I'd give you a, I'd give you a 30, 30% chance. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like that's a good, like, that's that you can work with that, right? I feel like his ceiling is like a less explosive Kirk Cousins. He's more athletic than Kirk Cousins, but he's pretty athletic. He's very athletic, but he, that's another thing. He's kind of like Marcus Mariota, where he doesn't seem like he really is like all that enthused about using his athleticism. Like I kind of like that comp. That's an interesting comp for him. He actually, yeah, it, it works out well for me because I like Marcus Mariota. Like he feels a lot like Marcus Mariota to me. Like I can see that. Yeah, I will go with a more frustrating Ryan Tannehill. Oh man, well, I am also on board. Is that even possible? Made me feel even better. <laughs> I think it's even possible, Crane. <laughs> I feel yeah, good about this I, now. You guys have I picked two comps. Daniel. Yeah, we, we're we're becoming a as we lose, you know, the in season day to day. Well, they do have a so that's one of the key things of this offseason for the Giants, right? They have a decision to make on yeah. whether or not to pick up his fifth year option. Do Which are now, yeah, that? fully guaranteed, not just not just injury guaranteed. They are fully guaranteed. I, I mean, they they totally should not. I wouldn't do right? it now. No, I would be you know, I, I was pleased with you telling me thirty three percent. I know for Sam Darnold, which has probably only gone up since then, it's uh, it was eighteen million, almost nineteen million guaranteed for his fifth year option. I assume Jones is like slightly a little bit higher, even I don't know, something around that range doesn't really matter. Uh, that is not a fully guaranteed number you want on the books. I would much rather gamble like that you want you don't want him to fail but you think he's more likely to fail that is not a number you want to pick it's up. just all downside because then if he does have a good season yep. I mean you're bad you like didn't save some money but like it's still a good problem to have like or whatever he actually is good that's like we didn't expect that but we have a good problem now yeah if the fifth year option bad. was some incredible disgusting amount of savings right. it was three million a year you were like yeah maybe that's worth the gamble that you get a year of a good quarterback out of three million you're not saving you, like you pointed out correctly it's it's only downside you're kind of baking in the upside there and so the reason why like i it's really got to be frustrating to be a panthers fan is they are saddled with this just this anchor of 18 it's only one year but man another year of sam darwin's gonna be fresh well let's move to the panthers because they're they're the next team in terms of uh the the earned draft position after the giants they have the sixth pick thoughts pat what, what are your thoughts on on what this team can can do in terms of improving because i don't know i, I don't know about you but i've kind of lost faith in matt rule i i don't think i mean they're a bad team and they fired their offense coordinator for running the ball not for not running the ball enough that seems like probably a bad move yeah, I mean, the, he he was clearly like his sell job to the owner David Tepper was just saying the word analytics a lot and like knowing like the buzzwords owners want to hear because that has not been the approach whatsoever. And like, not only has it not been the approach, like there's not an analytical approach. Like for better or worse, like you were actually were getting like the Chargers last year, for instance, where it was clear they were actually adopting that approach. So it's not only that the Panthers have not been doing like the analytical approach, they haven't been doing like any approach whatsoever there's like throwing stuff against the wall like they reunited like the core you know of the late 20 teens jets offense with robbie anderson and <laughs> sam darnold like well, i was like all right wow this is kind of interesting approach and then you know they veer from that mid-season to cam newton who is at this stage of his career you know like a pure like run first quarterback a guy whose arm is totally shot uh they have the best running back in the league then he gets injured and like you said, they go all in on a run-heavy offense, even though they have no personnel to fit that at all without Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, after Christian McCaffrey goes down, they're like, we got to double yeah, down know, on it's this just like, thing. It was just the definition. With Amir Abdullah. Yeah, yeah, it was just <laughs> the Hubbard definition of throwing stuff against the wall and hoping something sticks. There was no overarching plan or philosophy whatsoever on offense for Matt Rule, and it was a very, very concerning year for Matt Rule. Like Kyle says in his piece – they actually do have a pretty impressive building blocks on defense. 
And like they've they've drafted well in defense. Like Stefan Gilmore was a, seemed like a very is he a free agent? I mean, he was a very very good acquisition. He's a free agent. They're gonna resign him. Teams that trade for like make actual big name trades in the middle of the season, they just resign those guys. It's kind of just associated with it's just the cost you have to pay. Uh, not to get into too much into the sunk cost fallacy. And he's so the he's Panthers. Really it's we. I mean, and then we know about their impressive skill talent. Even if you even if you consider Christian McCaffrey injury prone, I mean. They have a really impressive collection of skill talent where like they're almost a team where you could say is a player away, is a quarterback away. But as Kyle said, they've got so much money now sunk. And like 18 million is not like ruinous when the cap's like over 200 million now, but it really, it hamstrings you and like makes it hard to like, you can't like acquire like a massive quarterback salary in a trade probably if you already have an $18 million quarterback. I guess they could, he could like be part of a dump or something, but things are so weird with the NFL salaries work. But yeah, they. I you can't like the plan from Matt Rule because there has not been a plan. And even though they are set up for success, if they could just find a quarterback, they have set it up where it's very difficult for them to get a quarterback this offseason. Yeah, and the eighteen million is before they bring back Gilmore. They're also, I mean, losing if they choose to not resign him. Son Reddick. They're just losing cornerback depth as well. Obviously, if they have Gilmore, they have Horn on the other side. They traded for C.J. Henderson, who was slightly better than he was with the Jags, but they still are losing nearly a thousand snaps to free agency after bringing back Gilmore. That is uh, just cornerback snaps. So they're going to spend most of their like available cap. I think on just bringing back as much of their defense as they can. If they're, I think they're actually, I don't think it's the lions who are like the first up to take a quarterback. I just don't think they see themselves as ready for a quarterback. They're not in that plug and play spot quite yet. I do think, and they're probably kind of right that, uh, that the Panthers are in a plug and play spot, but I don't know if there's a plug and play quarterback yet in the draft I, it's just difficult for me to see that from like a kenny pickett maybe i also don't think they're plug and plug really because i i think this is this is this is plug and ruin how, how so because i think they have i mean if they bring back all their defense they have a really good defense they have the probably right now the league's best pass catching running back their line and that, that could use some work uh but also dj Moore and robbie anderson plus terrace marshall i think is a really good trio of receivers the coaching and terrace marshall i mean i was very yeah <laughs> interested in terrace marshall as a prospect i thought he was a pretty solid prospect he was terrible he was real but i mean but everyone come on Crane. everyone knew brandon zilstra was better i mean it's not like (laughs) if you were ready for the shy smith one long catch that i remember we at least knew that we knew it'd be hard for him to overcome players like shy smith and brandon zilstra target competition it's pretty pretty also robbie anderson (laughs) was terrible last year i mean this was not this is not a good situation for a quarterback I think it's really hard to parse how bad someone like Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore, who had his worst efficiency year in terms of at least yards per target, probably low on yards per route run for his lofty standards as well. I mean, they had, they literally had two of the bottom like four quarterbacks playing for them when Sam Darnold wasn't in the lineup. And when Sam Darnold was in the lineup, they had one of the worst starting quarterbacks among like the, the 32 starters at the open of the year. I think the most important thing why I don't see them as like a, a plug and play contender, which I'm not sure they'll even try that strategy is like you said, I think it's rule. I think rule is the problem with this team. And you know, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers the red flags meme on Twitter, uh, just a, a statement and then red flags after it. Yes. But rule said at some point in a, you know, a presser last year that they're looking to get to, I think it's like 56 uh, rushes plus completions oh all God. time red flag is that. And then obviously talking about, we want to get, you know, there was the report that they were trying to get like 30 runs a game late in the year as Pat alluded to. I really think they have a, actually a pretty solid roster and their coaching staff is what's going to hold them back. And I really think this is just kind of a, a lame duck year for rule. And then they're looking to, to rebound next year. By the way, that kind of old school stat counting is analytics. It's just re- the worst <laughs> bad version of analytics. The idea is to do that stuff, but actually be predictive. So, uh, Matt Rule, you're you're an analytics bro. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> do you get that? Reminds me, real quick. We gotta mention 
Urban Meyer, his goal of having 250 rushing and 250 passing yards per game in the NFL. That was maybe the very top analytics moment of the entire 2021 season. It's a beautiful thing. Let's uh, let's move to the Bears, who do not have the seventh pick. That's the Giants, but they earned the seventh pick. And this can kind of close out the, the bad teams discussion because they sort of fit with the Jaguars and the Jets in the sense that they're obviously not going to pick a quarterback. But... Fields wasn't that great. And I think, you know, the, the coaching situation was not ideal. Obviously, uh, they now have a new head coach, but the, they have a defensive minded head coach. Is this going to be the situation where we see a big leap from Fields? And, and how do you view them? Uh, Pat, how do you view them compared to the Jaguars and the Jets in terms of the likelihood that they without a without do they not have a first round pick at all? They they don't have their first round pick. Correct, no first yeah, round. So pick. without a first round pick, how much can they improve things here in the offseason? It's gotten to the point with these teams, by the way, or even if they traded their first round pick, I just assume that the Bears like have the Texans pick or something. But yeah, they <laughs> that's uh that's Miami, right? I, I literally wrote up like, oh, the Dolphins don't have first round pick, then I forgot they got uh San Francisco. Yeah, I know it's just like, oh yeah, never mind. They have the Packers pick for some yep. reason. Yeah. Uh, the Packers gave them an extra first round pick when they took Jordan Love. Wow, I forgot about that. <laughs> but Crane, I mean, you hit on an interesting thing there because Matt Nagy was clearly a bad coach, but like he was such a bad coach that I think it, it distracted us and that gave us a pretty convenient scapegoat for what you said with Justin Fields was just not very good as a rookie. Like there wasn't a whole lot to cling to there. And part of it is because, I mean, the, the skill core has kind of fallen apart. I mean, Darnell Mooney is a, a very good NFL player. Probably shouldn't be like your best skill player though. Like he should be like a pretty good number two skill player. I mean, Allen Robinson's legs are just gone. David Montgomery is like a fine running back, but he's the kind of guy he needs to be like on an actual good team. Like he, he can make a difference on a good team. He's not good enough to be a difference maker on a bad team though, at the running back position, David Montgomery. The defense is like still, so, you know, the defense had that historically good 2018 season. Like it is still kind of like stubbornly held on since that 2018 peak. I mean, never approached that level again, but it's remained an above average defense, but it's pretty short on like true difference makers and like this is a roster, yeah, that seems like it's much closer to hurtling like down to like like a bottom three roster than it is to getting to like a top 12 roster. And like they're at like a fateful moment as a team. And there's just not many pot it's a team that really needed a first round pick this year. And they do not have a first round pick. And it's and why why don't they? Because didn't they sit tight and take fields? No, they did trade it. They did oh, they indeed actually okay. trade up for yeah. fields. Oh, I was thinking the Patriots to sat tight for Jones. Yeah, you know, of course, right. yeah, of course the Patriots. I mean, come on. <laughs> of course the yeah. yeah, sit sit tight, play the waiting game, and then get the get the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wasn't wasn't man enough to take. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Bears, like, I think their roster right now is better than all the teams picking before them, but they don't have a good way to go forward without that first round pick. Like they have Khalil Mack, who I think played seven games last year, still looked like himself. He got six sacks in those seven games. Plus Robert Quinn, who I looked this up every time. I don't think this is right. 18 and a half sacks last year. Because the Bears God, franchise time... record. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. It's incredible. A few players ever get to 20 and he's wow. dang close. The last time he had over a dozen was 23. In St. Louis. I, I still think St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, was, did oh, you guys so know the St. Louis team? No. What was I it found called? out when I looked up Robert Quinn stats. 
It was going to be called the Stallions until the Jaguars got the expansion team, but that's that's real ancient wow. history. Anyways, they didn't Wait, call themselves the Stallions. Why did the so why did that uh, no one really remember the Stallions. It remains a mystery to this day why the NFL chose Jacksonville over St. Louis. St. Louis had already oh, built a stadium. No one seems like even now. I mean, St. Louis is not like a super growing metro area, but even now. I've, over the years, you will come across like NFL accounts like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what you going to do? <laughs> yeah, on, de- on defense, like Quinn Mack is a nasty combo. Quinn is under contract for one more year. Mack, uh, I'm just sure they owe him like 40 million a year for the next 20 years or something. One of these baseball contracts, right? So that is like a ferocious pass rush duo. And all it leaves is that they just need to add like not even like high-end talent to their secondary, you can patch together a decent secondary by just having no weak links, right? Like secondary is like more of a weak link system where you can just pick on a guy who's bad. So if they just add like a good starting quarter to their secondary, they don't need a Jalen Ramsey because also Iberflus does a lot of like no blitzing, just lets his good, talented pass rushers get there and they have the pass rushers to do that. So if you're just dropping a lot of okay guys into coverage, the defense can be good. It can even be really good. But that's not going to matter because they don't like I'm assuming Jason Peters is going to retire. He's like 40 now, and I'm sure he doesn't want to come back even if he doesn't. So I don't really see a way the offensive line is that good. I it's Allen Robinson isn't going to come back. So I don't even think he likes the it team. And if he did, yeah. would it make it a difference? It was not they just, yeah, it's it's finally happened where we talked about his entire career that he was like the bad quarterback uh, slayer in terms of no quarterback, or he's at least impervious to bad quarterback play. Just toughed it out through the worst of quarterbacks and still got good production. It finally happened where he didn't, didn't get there. And it was just an atrocious year from him. So if they add a good receiver, cause I think like Pat said, Mooney should probably be your number two probably means they don't quite get to upgrade the offensive line or the defense doesn't get to excel because of the secondary, not getting the additions it needs. So I just feel like there are too many moving pieces for a team without a first round pick. And I kind of think they also might've moved like their fourth round pick to, to get the pick as the, they never ever had well, any so. picks when Ryan Pace was the GM. They always had like four picks a year, despite never winning playoff games. Like, they're one of those teams like trade, like they were like the Patriots or something, like whatever, or like the Rams, like just cashing in draft picks. Like the Bears did that, and then never Saints, won yeah, playoff. Saints did that. Except the except the Saints always exactly. get into the playoffs. They make deep runs, and uh, Bears not so much. So yeah, I, I, like I think they have a higher floor because they have a good defense. Uh, that's about it. But they have a really good defense, in fact, compared to the teams ahead of them, like the Lions or whatever. But I'm not sure how they get a ceiling outcome. I think the answer is just Justin Fields really turns it around, and that's certainly possible. I really like Fields coming out of college. That's kind of all you can hang your hat on is you just need Justin Fields to be a lot better. Is there anyone in free agency that would make sense? To, I mean, they, they're kind of going to be a loser in free agency, as we talked about with Robinson. But is there is there someone like a skill player that that would kind of? Make I mean, sense the receiver class class, the receiver crop in free agency is good. But I like I'd really be shocked if Adams doesn't like Adams is if he doesn't stay in Green Bay because I assume they'll just franchise tag him or whatever. He'll just follow Rogers to wherever Rogers yeah. goes. That's the yeah. avenue for him leaving. Yeah, he's not really yeah, a free exactly. agent in the Chris in the Godwin first. does yeah. seem like yeah. he would probably stay. Although maybe with no Brady, he doesn't. That'd be really awesome if they got like Chris Godwin if he doesn't want to stay in uh, Tampa Bay just because it's where he probably lives right now and whatever. And they'll give him a decent contract if he wants to go seek the biggest money he's going to be the the ultimate pick in free agency if you can land him. So maybe he does because there's a lot shuffling Tampa Bay. After that, you kind of get into like a Mike Williams, who's really good, but I think he was probably elevated by Justin Herbert's just incredible season last year. Mike Williams would be kind of yeah, fun with Fields. It'd be like if Allen Robinson... I, I don't know. Maybe Robinson has. That's kind of. Life, I don't. But. I don't like Robinson. I feel like Robinson was like on Twitter liking posts that were like anti Bears or whatever, or like unfollowed the Bears accounts or something like that. So I don't <laughs> he think was. he's coming back either way. <laughs> Mike Williams could actually kind of emulate that. Uh, that sort of. 
better version of Allen Robinson you wanted to see. Not probably not to the extent of peak Allen Robinson, but he's probably he'll probably be the most coveted free agent that could actually move. And that's no guarantee, but he's more likely to move than like Devontae or something. I think Robinson, man, he's just he was one of those guys who was he was always like a one-on-one sideline dominator. Like he was never like Mr. Separation. And it seems like maybe his so a kind of guy who couldn't afford to lose like a ton of explosiveness. He said, you know, he said the ACL, he's had a number of injuries where he just seems like maybe one of those outside receivers who just aged a lot quicker than we would like. And I wouldn't be surprised if A-Rob's like legs were just kind of gone already. Uh, kind of sad. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right. Want to remind everyone: you can get an NBC Sports Edge. That NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you an NBA midseason offer. You can get twenty percent off an Edge Plus annual subscription through February when you use promo code Stu twenty. Finish your fantasy regular season strong at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com/slash/Edge Plus. Use promo code Stu twenty at checkout to save. Guys, I wanted to change topics slightly still in the realm of these bad teams and and their off seasons, but you know, maybe we're looking a little bit further down the line. We just had the Bengals make a super bowl appearance. Is there a team that wasn't really in playoff content? Don't give me the chargers. Okay. I don't want to hear your chargers are the next Bengals. That's that's not correct because they, they should have been in the playoffs. If it wasn't for that stupid timeout, you know, my God, we got robbed of some beautiful Herbert playoff games, but Chargers aren't the, the type of team I'm looking for. I want a, a team that was like actually bad last year. And the Dolph- the Dolphins are Dolphins are pretty Chiefs. borderline. I think this Chiefs it. team can turn but it around. Any, anyone that obviously there's not going to be like an actual next Bengals. First of all, you know, this was a four and twelve team, four and eleven and one team in 2020 that had Joe Burrow, the, the number one pick from the previous year, who looked good before he was injured. And then, you know, it all kind of comes together. So that type of story isn't going to happen. But Something similar where you have a team emerge and just really shock us from where we were a year ago. I mean, 4-11-1 to the Super Bowl is pretty shocking, regardless of how good Joe Burrow is. So any teams that that jump to mind for the next Bengals? Kyle, please go first. I alluded to it earlier. I think it's the Jets. I think they're most likely to... I was going to say the Jets, too. So I was like, I mean, they're not. it's not actually going to happen, but I, I wanted someone else to go first, so I didn't have to say the Jets, and then you just... You just said it. That's good. <laughs> I think they're the most sort of laden with resources to make the type of turnaround that the Bengals made, where the Bengals had a bad defense, didn't have the quarterback. Then they got the quarterback, but still got to pick because he got they hurt. They bought themselves a yeah, defense. Yeah, they bought themselves a defense and uh, drafted well on offense specifically. Obviously, he's getting Chase. Higgins right before that, too, as well, though. And with Elijah Moore, they could draft another receiver, or it could just be Corey Davis healthy this year, plays much better. Maybe they even go for a tight end because they're... He actually play pretty well. Yeah, exactly. Corey I think if, if you get a whole healthy season out of Corey Davis plus Elijah Moore, who looked really good when he wasn't playing with Zach Wilson, which is the caveat, you just need to... I think the biggest thing is you need to turn around... <laughs> a big caveat. That I know Thanks. that's the problem, but this thing <laughs> he started playing well with him too in December. Finally, I mean, not to the I mean, no one plays as well with Zach Wilson as they do with oh, Mike man. White, obviously. Dude, those those like 11 target games with Josh Johnson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco for, for Elijah Moore were 
really good. Those are some good games. He looked explosive. He was incredible in like a yards per game basis on college. They have the weaponry and they can add more. They can spend up on defense and they only really need to address the secondary. And obviously, like I said, they have good cap space and they have multiple top 10 picks. I think that's sort of a perfect recipe for a turnaround with the caveat that you need to have the quarterback. And I think that's the, the caveat that you would place on every single one of these teams because like Pat started off this whole conversation with 40 minutes ago, this quarterback class was not good, man. It was not uh, good from what the product we saw on the field, like outside of Mac Jones and a few good Davis Mills games towards the end of the year. Just less not bad Davis Mills games. So to me, it's the Jets. I think they have the best coaching staff among the bad teams, essentially. I could see the Lions being a year away from being in this conversation because they have an incredible offensive line. They're going to have the best pick this year, second best pick this year, and probably the best pick next year. So I think a good offensive line, spend a lot on receiver and then insert a quarterback next year. And then we can finally be talking about them. Whereas uh, with the organizational dysfunction, I almost never see Houston getting here. They're just so far away. They're, they're a, a, a different franchise away. They need to be different bones and DNA to be a better team. They need to not have a, a preacher pulling strings in their front office. That would be probably good for them. Or just speak to God better. Like, listen harder. Maybe <laughs> yes. he's talking to you. Listen, listen maybe, maybe he's talking to you. Who's just it? messing it up. <laughs> Who's more competent? Uh, just a just a quick uh, answer here. Who is the more incompetent franchise? The Texans or the Jaguars? Definitely the. I mean, the Texans at least. Be at least this recent Texans collapse began with a divisional round collapse. The Texans were winning twenty four nothing in the divisional round within two calendar years ago. You know. Wow, that's true. So, I actually, forget, I almost forget. go the other way. Oh man, these teams are quite like the the Lovey Smith uh, hiring to me is what kind of pushes it over Down the edge. Back. I think Doug Peterson's a fine hire. I think the Doug Peterson hiring is fine. Although like they literally didn't submit what it was. They didn't submit their interview request for Kevin O'Connell in time to get their interview. Off. They had to wait, right? <laughs> that was that's, pretty incompetent. Uh, so man, that is not good. But also Lovey Smith was, ne- they say he was in the conversation, right? He was having, you know, the backroom conversations, but we hear about that stuff all the time from Schefter and Rappaport. Yet we didn't hear a whisper of it until the day they ruled out McCown and, uh, you know, Brian Flores was sort of ruled out around the same time. They were not considering Lovey Smith, I don't believe, up until no. that point. He was a complete panic option. Uh, it's a, a good it's a good debate. Both of these teams come in very strong in incompetence. I think I think I based on the coaching hiring cycle, I'm actually going to go with the with the Jags being <laughs> no, more. the Jags. Oh, you are. You're going back to the Jags. Oh, I thought you were no, gonna it's the just, Jags are still more. Incompetent. They've made the playoff. You know, they've. They've had more than like six wins, like once in the past. Years. I'm just giving Deshaun Watson all the credit for the playoffs. That's yeah, that's all. The Deshaun Texans won a playoff game with Brock Osweiler. I mean, we got you kind of got a hand it. That, to him. Didn't they? Was that when they played Derek Carr's backup? Yeah, I mean, it was Matt McGloin, right? Yeah. It been, was it Matt? Is McGloin? Bill O'Brien a Hall of Fame coach? Yeah. <laughs> Self-evident, I think. Uh, <laughs> and also the worst GM of all. I was going I know it's he, a different regime, but the fact that somehow an owner probably had to sign off on trading DeAndre Hopkins for. Uh, David, the corpse of David Johnson also is a, a classic incompetence. Pat, any teams for the potential to be the next Bengals? Real quick. So uh, the Jets were like the first one just from like an archetype standpoint that came to mind. But like kidding aside, I mean, none of us really think it's going to be the Jets, obviously. And Crane, you made I mean, the really important point was that Joe Burrow played well as a rookie. They were 4-11-1, and one, like you said, but Joe Burrow did play really well as a rookie. Whereas we did not see that with Zach Will. Like this would be like an almost – unheard of league where they do at least have like their house in order and the skill groups or at least getting there and they've got the like, defensive mind robert Sala, even though they fell to 32nd in both points and yards allowed uh last year and one other really i don't know why i'm getting it lovey smith has actually always been 
even last year, a very he has at least as a certifiable skill as a head coach, where he is a good defensive organizer. Like he will get the, defense got better yeah, significantly. Yeah. They started. They gave up three fewer points. I think it was three fewer points, which is a, a lot, lot of head coaches don't make an impact on either side of the ball. <laughs> Lovey will at least make an impact on the defensive side of the ball, but yeah, I mean he lost like thirty nine games in five seasons as Illinois head coach, yeah, uh, which yeah, isn't great. You, know. uh, you probably shouldn't fail at the college level yeah, and then coach know. at the NFL level. The defense did get better, and they made almost no investments in the defense this past off season. So I give him credit for that. I don't think he'll be a good head coach. Crane, it's the Broncos if they get a quarter quarterback and the yeah, team yeah. that doesn't need to get a quarterback it's probably the giants because talk about having a lot of skill core talent talk about having perfectly fine defensive talent they have like two top seven picks uh they have the huge coaching upgrade in brian dable the giants might actually be the best position to make like a shock the world Bengals right again daniel jones you're not going to get a joe burrow type. i mean joe burrow led the league in both again yards per attempt and completion percentage i just can't get over that it, combination of explosiveness and efficiency like that will not be happening with daniel jones but the Gi- the giants definitely do have a roster where like they did like two or three things went right they'd have to be important things but if two or three things went right you know it's not a good division the conference is totally up for grabs right now the giants could be a very very surprising team in 2022 i have a couple more so you mentioned denver if they get a quarterback which is kind of cheating washington if they get a quarterback easy I mean, they were pretty competent. I, I actually have some faith in the coaching staff. I think they're a competent coaching staff if they get a quarterback. That, that'd that be interesting. Did they fire Jack Del Rio, though? No, I, I think he stayed for another Yeah, year. okay. Yeah, they're, they're not on the list, though. <laughs> One that's a little bit more of a reach, but I think is, is a little interesting, particularly because uh, of the draft capital conversation, the fact they're probably not drafting a quarterback. The Falcons have the eighth pick. They could really use some skill players. This is a spot where you could see the first wide receiver coming off the board, whether that's Garrett Wilson or Drake London, probably not Traylon Burks, who we all really like in sort of the metrics community, but I don't think he's supposed to go quite that early, but who knows? We'll see how the combine goes. Maybe maybe his stock rises, but there's a couple guys. I think all three of those guys are all really strong wide receiver prospects. Who knows what what's going on with Calvin Ridley? They probably will not have him back, but but it's possible they do, I guess. And Kyle Pitts played awesome. I think because of how good of a prospect Kyle Pitts was, we're almost like not making a big enough deal about how good of a rookie tight end season this was. This is like an off the charts rookie tight end season. This rarely, maybe like never really happens. And we kind of expected it to happen. So we're not like factoring it in as much. I think the fact that he delivered this as a rookie is like way more impressive than his prospect profile. So you do have something there. If they can figure out running back, which isn't all that hard to figure out, um, and they can get a playmaker, and you know maybe they get Calvin Ridley back, all of a sudden this offense could be explosive. Yeah, it is funny that because we had the most lofty expectations for Kyle Pitts, I mean, probably you know in the time that any of us have ever been watching football, the highest expectations for a rookie tight end, and he roughly he met them other than not scoring touchdowns. It was like the only thing that he didn't do, which is the thing we all say is the most random about football. Right. It's a Matt Ryan problem, too. I mean, the guy who wouldn't throw to Julio Jones in the red zone for 10 years, shocker, will not be throwing to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, zone. simply He's because... like the anti-Aaron uh, uh, Rodgers, where he, you know, it's like... The yards machine. No, no, you sync up with that guy, and you throw to him constantly, you don't run the ball. Nope. Yeah, but Not because they he only met, he was probably right about in line with our expectations. He didn't exceed our expectations that were through the roof, the highest expectations we would ever think about setting right. for a rookie tight end because he just met them. We kind of understate how incredible the season was. So I, I agree with that. Uh, to me, I, I 
they really just need to, I don't see how they get the ceiling at quarterback. I, I just think Matt Ryan's probably pushing past his prime, but it is difficult to say because he went without Julio Jones last year for the first time in God knows how long, and then no Calvin Ridley for, you know, the bulk of the season, essentially. So if they get another receiver or if they get Calvin Ridley back, which I don't think is very likely, but it's possible if they get him back or just a really good rookie receiver, the offense might simply be explosive enough having like one of the most unguardable tight ends plus a good receiver. They don't really have to worry about like not having that good of a defense. It could at least push them to a far better place. Uh, I think they're a good, at least a good contender for being a, a high turnaround team. And, and let's be honest about Kyle Pitts, you know, for fantasy purposes, we have to keep this charade that he's a tight end. He's DK Metcalf, right? He's not a tight end. He's a big wide receiver. So I think from like how we're thinking about this team and the type of offense they can be having, having a rookie wide receiver, by the way, DK Metcalf did not have a very good rookie season, you know? So you see this type of player take a second year leap. I think Kyle Pitts could take a second year leap. And the fact that Matt Ryan wasn't all that efficient without Ridley, without Jones throwing to a rookie tight end is kind of his primary guy or Russell Gage which <laughs> also is not a great primary option. I'm kind of willing to, you know, say maybe, maybe, maybe this team could, could be more interesting if they upgrade the skill positions. Well, I'll, I think the problem with the Falcons though might be the pass blocking, which Matt Ryan for, especially for like an old immobile quarterback has taken just way too many sacks the past few years. Like the problem there is though, is like he making the line look bad or is like the line not protecting right. him. It is like a chicken or the egg situation. I feel like with it, cause he's so immobile at this point. And like, I mean, that's not an easy fit. I mean, they were a really bad pass blocking team in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Would you like, prioritize that over like a wide receiver with the eighth overall pick, Pat? I would because at the end of the day, I mean, they have the leverage to Calvin. I guess, I mean, he has leverage where he was willing to miss games, whatever was going on there. But I, mean, I think the, the their strategy should be to try to convince Calvin Ridley to return. And then, yeah, they have to. I mean, they've been throwing resources at the offensive line forever. Like they've got to get their offensive line fixed because it's been a problem for them for years and years at this point. Yeah, and the problem with them is they don't have like elite draft capital, right? They're not at the very top of the board and they're right now at a cap deficit, uh, at least projected to get a cap deficit. All these teams obviously are getting over the cap deficit and they'll be fine, but it means they can't spend a ton like on the offensive line. They're just going to hit the hit the open market and buy a better tackle or a better guard, right? So they have like limited avenues to improve. Uh, I think honestly, I think I go receiver. I feel like this is sort of the the Chase Sewell debate and just like get the most crazy explosive guy. Like it's high variance. I think I think probably getting an retooling the offensive line is lower variance but doesn't give you the same upside that this team kind of needs although mm. uh, i don't know to me they feel sort of stuck their best avenue frankly is that brady isn't in their division anymore that is a really good <laughs> asset and sam yeah. Darnold is still in their division and ian book is in there i mean division, talk about right? a weak so that, division yeah the saints yes. the, yeah. the bucks the panthers i mean they could that's roll. probably their best asset this offseason is minus one brady that they have to face two times a year right Dude, a quarterback has to force a trade to the Bucks or the right. Panthers, man. Because yeah, be nice. like this is there for the taking. Bucks apparently doing their due diligence on uh, Russell Wilson, according to uh, NBCSportsEdge.com. Uh, read that. <laughs> that would be quite exciting. That would be very exciting. All right, one more before we get out of here. See if I can sell you on this. This is kind of the old school like coaching change. Everything's there. You just bring in the better coach. Maybe like when your boy Jeff Fisher got fired, Pat, and the Rams suddenly <laughs> uh, took a leap. I don't think Mike Zimmer's quite Jeff Fisher, but we could see. A pretty big upgrade in terms of the play call, the the passing game design, um, you know, not running the ball constantly on early downs in Minnesota. Uh, shout out to Drico out. He tweeted out a, uh, at Drico, Drico out tweeted out a chart 
showing the percentage of all plays that the quarterbacks for each team were throwing the ball. So obviously you want a low percentage of your your uh, passes being on obvious passing downs, which he just used as, as third and fourth down plays. So kind of a back of the napkin calculation. Mm -hmm. But Kirk Cousins in this chart here had 33% of his passes coming on third or fourth down. The highest in the league was Ryan Tannehill at 35%. And along with Kirk Cousins, Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, Jameis Winston, not not a great not a great list. Not a not an offense that was setting up their quarterback for success because they're putting him in these obvious passing down situations. At the same time, Cousins actually had a pretty efficient year. He's pretty accurate. He did pretty well in EPA per play. He's got obviously Justin Jefferson, who's one of the top wide receivers in the league. Adam Thielen is kind of regressed into a compliment, but I think he's a decent compliment. I think he's a good compliment. Yeah, he's a good compliment. If they add something. Uh, and they have the 12th pick, you know, and they also have Dalvin Cook, by the way, who I think could be pretty interesting in kind of the, the Todd Gurley role if they if they go that offensive design in the in the Rams uh, style to to bring back that analogy. Um, I think they've got some stuff here to where a better designed offense could make some noise. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And Kirk Cousins, I've kind of I've already used this line, I think, on the podcast recently, but he's like the happy medium, I feel like, between Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, where he's very efficient, like in the way that Jared Goff was under Sean McVay, but he's not like Mr. Risk taker down the field, but unlike Jared Goff, like he actually will try to create offense down the field and he won't be as successful at it as Matthew Stafford is. Um, but he, he's in a very efficient quarterback who is willing to take shots to his weapons. Uh, you line have a very, very good supporting cast. They like said, there's literally no way like a Sean McVay disciple is going to come in and run like, like you said, put a quarterback in like these awful passing situations over and over again. He's going to be set up. Well, I don't know. Sean McVay was doing that uh, kind of a lot in the playoffs, actually. Yeah. But uh, you'd have to assume. He lost faith in Matthew Stafford. Just as, Do just more as of the good. Yesterday. Kevin, yeah. do more of the good. He's going to do more Sean of the good. Stuff and do less of the bad. The thing is, though, the whole the reason the, the Viking season fell apart, really, was because Mike Zimmer had always gotten the defense like back in good working order. I think the Vikings 2021 season basically hinged on that. Like Mike Zimmer, the Vikes defense was terrible in 2020. Like Mike Zimmer will get this fixed in 2021. And he really didn't get it fixed. And it's a like defense pretty low on star power right now. And that could kind of like undermine the entire operation. Like you said, they've got so much skill, talent, uh, just so much talent in general on the offensive side of the ball that there's not even that much to fix on offense. Like you said, it was actually a pretty good offense. If it just been organized a little better, play called a little better, but it's such an easy fix on offense that yes, they could be a team that takes a big step just by becoming better run essentially. And they have Ed Donatello. Yeah, I like this call. right from the Broncos. I believe it was their defensive coordinator, so mm -hmm. a Vic Fangio yes. guy. I mean, so That's these Fangio trees. Yeah, good. good coaching tree could be. I mean, you're going to take a step back with Zimmer not being there on defense, and obviously, a step back would be bad because the defense wasn't good, but. I do think there's a chance, you know, maybe through simple variance on defense, plus it's still being well coached to where the defense is is fine. You, you, a line I had about the Vikings in my seasons in review article was, you aren't always what your record says you are, but the Vikings were definitely eight and nine with a negative one point differential. <laughs> like they were like the most by and like it was just emblematic of them settling for coin tosses yeah. basically every game. Playing for it in the Letting first place. Every single they really were. They were playing for he, he seemed to openly embrace games coming down to the final possession, Mike Zimmer. And if they could just 
Like they were so close. They could have easily won two or three more games and they still have the talent. Yes. To do that in 2022. Yeah. I feel like they fit the sort of profile I talked about with the Falcons that I don't think the Falcons are necessarily going to achieve. Where just like put together an explosive offense, like put together a really well like scripted game plan for a Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin cook, Kirk cousins offense. And that team will pop off so much more consistently that, uh, you know, of course you're probably going to take some lumps with the defense, not having a, a great way to improve overnight. But if you can have the potential drop 35 on any team, that's like, that's all you need, right? That is going to at least probably get you into the playoffs. And they, play in a quite weak division where at least two of the teams if you are a good team are like a classic three and one you lose one on the road or whatever but they should be able to if they are put together better this year pretty consistently beat up on the bears and lions and who knows maybe rogers leaves too yeah and And that also makes your defense that would be facing jordan love jared goff and justin fields uh with the way justin fields played last year that would be the division you want to be in i mean and i was just Sorry, well, I was just going to say, if you if you want to bet on Rodgers going to Denver, maybe the odds is you don't put the you don't put the bet on the Denver futures. Mm-hmm. You put the bet on the Vikings futures because you still have the out where if Rodgers returns, maybe things kind of kind of uh, go to hell. Obviously, you're not going to get anything with Denver if Rodgers isn't there. But you you, you got the out. And if, if Rodgers leaves. It's got to be the Vikings. I mean, what are the Bears winning this division? The Lions aren't. No, the Lions. It, That'd be the pick. Yeah, they'd be favorites for sure. It'd have to be Matt Eberflus, who is a really good defensive coordinator, being like coach of the year, basically, for it not to be the Vikings. Jordan Love have to be an entirely different quarterback. Right, there you go. Like he would, they would literally entirely just need to human. someone else in on in a different in the Love jersey. Yeah, I don't even want to discuss the yeah, Packers without Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, have to be make a lot of changes. Jordan Love. No offense, Jordan. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Appreciate going through some really bad teams here, but I think I think we found some interesting stuff to uh, to cover. I like the bad teams. I think the bad teams are more exciting to write up than the good teams. Because good teams like <laughs> a lot more fun to talk about. Like the know. good teams, like what interesting nugget can you find in the Bengals? Probably have a better offensive line. Don't get sacked seven times in a game. That's a really easy way to improve, and it doesn't take good. a lot of words to write. Whereas, like, it is a quite the puzzle to solve some of these bad teams. While you you talk about words to write, I actually screenshotted. One thing that Kyle wrote in the Jets preview. This is incredible. This is under the, the team needs section. Cornerback. The Jets only had one quarterback, Brandon Eccles, who allowed a passer rating below 100 when targeted. They did not have a corner ranked inside the top 50, according to PFF. My God. Uh, <laughs> is... pretty bad. Dude, you'd be surprised how many teams you could say these types of things about. Uh, uh, we talked about a lot of them today. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean, and the problem with them, I know we're going back to the Jets, but like they were supposed to have a good LaMarcus Joyner, Marcus May combo at uh, safety. Would have been real good to have them over the top. May plays like six games, Joyner misses the entire season, essentially, and they're both free agents. So good Not luck. Great. Best of luck. All right. One last dunk on the Jets. Join me next week. We're going to be on Thursday. I'll have uh, Travis May. We're going to be talking the rookie class. He's an expert on college football, doing uh, all sorts of Debbie stuff. He's steeped, steeped in this, this rookie class. So we can we can go deep. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe. We'll see you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.